Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone out there. Uh, welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown, my obsession. I am Matt Koplick. With me today is an international fellow. You might have seen him at the Barrow Street Theater production, Barrow Street Group, Barrow Group production. Jury's out. Of- yeah. Yeah, I took classes at Barrow Group. Um, but yes, but Barrow Street Theater, or theatricals, as, anyway. is where the production happened. Also, how dare you interrupt me in the middle of what I'm is. I'm so sorry. This is the most perfect introduction I've ever given. The Barrow Street's production of Sweeney Todd. You might have seen him across the country in Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Or you might have seen him across the seas in Phantom of the Opera as Raoul, the Vicomte de Changi. Um, <laughs> that was my pronunciation of that. Very good. Thank you. Uh, please welcome to the pod, Mr. Matt Lizy. Woo, you got Woo. it. Thank you. Thanks for, me, Matt. Thanks for being on here, Matt. This is... This oh, this is gonna be fun, Matt and Matt. Uh, so how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to be on this. I've listened to most of, of the episodes on this podcast, so I'm I'm excited to be included. Thank Ooh, a fan. Uh, I won't lie. I the first time I actually ever met you, yeah, was it was at John's birthday party, and you. This is how jaded of an asshole I am. You came up to me like smiles a blazing of like a genuinely happy and content person i'm like who's this psychopath <laughs> and you just said i've listened to the podcast i think it's so fun and i was i really was like oh my god this is my new favorite person oh right right <laughs> I, remember, I remember being like oh we're walking with deborah craig from spelling bee yeah like, that was a that was a very interesting evening where are we catching you currently matt um, I'm on a little hiatus from the Phantom Tour. Um, I am in Kansas City at my my parents' um, living room. But so I did a little digging on your on your website. Oh, sure. You are in- originally from England. Yes? No? Maybe? It's interesting because I was born in the U.S. My mom's British, and then I grew up in England, and so oh. I I have a British passport as well, which I definitely had shipped to me when I was in Asia during the pandemic. I was like, just in case I can't get can't leave Asia like I, maybe it'd be good to be able to get to England I don't know so um, exactly well so that's just thinking ahead yeah right exactly so, yeah so when did you come to America how old were you when you went from England uh, to America 10 10 yeah yeah okay okay so 
how long till the accent faded? Because you don't have an English accent on you. You know, that's the funny thing. That I, I still don't really quite understand. I'll, I'll mention to my parents, like, I had a very strong, like, kind of posh accent as a kid. And then I went to an American school because my dad was a teacher there and then ended up, like, being head of middle school. Good thing is, like, we left before um, I, it was, I left, like, did fourth grade and then we moved and then he was in charge of fifth grade so like I was already getting in trouble like my teachers were telling my dad on campus that I'd been bad in class or whatever and that like you're not supposed to know this all the other kids don't have their dad on campus being told everything they do wrong so um so anyway so uh, I left just in time but I'm sure it would have been great but um <laughs> and but yeah I, but I, I don't know so I think like being at that school most of the kids I'd say the majority of them it's an international school but oh. with the American curriculum so I think the majority of them were, were American. So I think I slowly started to lose it while we were living in England, I think. Uh-huh. And then when we got to Kansas, um, I think I, it like quickly, like whatever remnants were left kind of just went away very quickly as I was this little, little boy who looked younger and yeah, just, <laughs> not, not cool. Not cool to have, yeah, not cool to have that little accenty kid. No. <laughs> that's fine that's fair so we're gonna get into your obsession about 90 seconds but i want to transition into it because you are currently working in an andrew lloyd webber musical yes some might say the most well-known one maybe up in the air i mean cats is currently having its moment thanks to rebel wilson right (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's for another day we can never unsee that scene like what the cockroaches and the Girl, there is so much about that movie you cannot unsee. Yeah. <laughs> Cockroaches, the second skin, Taylor Swift's uniboob. It's <laughs> it's adorable. But oh. so... That was literally the last movie I saw in the movie theater. Uh, I think same. Being like, like, how sad is it that the last movie we probably all saw was Cats in the movie theater? That was 2019's warning to us. They are like, here you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get ready for 2020. Um, so, okay. Uh, you are in Phantom of the Opera. You are playing Raul. Yeah. Some have called him the ultimate musical theater fuckboy. <laughs> Not necessarily my opinion, but that's, that's been his true. reputation. Amazing. I personally think Raul gets a bad rep because, well, yes, maybe on paper, I'm not, I've never seen your performance. Maybe on paper, Raul does not have the biggest of personalities. I will say he doesn't kill people to get a woman's attention. Yes, seriously. On paper, yeah, like Raul is is the choice. Like he's- Yeah. Yeah, it- it, I've never truly understood when people are like, she should have been with the Phantom. I'm like, remember when he straight up murdered people and then uh, gaslit her into thinking he was the ghost of her dead dad? Yes. He's actually the worst choice. He's, yeah, he's, um. It's so, it's, yeah, it, there's so many things wrong with it. But I, what I think so brilliant about the show is that, like, it's written in a way that even when I, like, I, I was um, swung out one night and I watched it. And, like, and yes, like, I play Ral, but, like, you feel for Phantom at the end. And you're, like, it's it's so manipulative in a really great way. It's, like, it's amazing storytelling because, like, you should not sympathize with this guy. You shouldn't. It's sweeping melodrama. And you guys are also doing, like, the original design and staging, right? The help yeah. and staging. So I've pointed to the Hal Prince staging of Phantom as an example. I mean, maybe you know this because you listen to the podcast, but um, when I saw Hades Town, I kept saying that Hades Town has too many buttons. And I remember this, yeah. 
I was like, you really need to kind of keep it going. Yep. Phantom is a great example of this because if you every time you stop to applaud, it's a moment for you to reflect on what you just saw. And there's a lot in Phantom where if you think about it for too long, you're like, hang on a second. Yes. It's no. So true. Like even like when I was working on the show, like having not been like the most familiar person with Phantom, like I'd seen it like maybe twice growing up. Um, and I never auditioned for it before. So it wasn't like something I've been living with for a while. I was like asking like actor questions and mm -hmm. basically like, um, yeah, don't read into it too much. No. You basically like, um, I see why you're asking that, but yeah, just. Yeah, you just gotta, you gotta give it all of your energy. Well, I mean, I think there's a way to, you know, it's good to have smart actor questions because then you yeah. can sort of find a new spin on something. Absolutely. Is there yeah. anything you're super proud of about what you do in the show that, uh, you know, maybe like a line reading that gets a laugh or something like that, that maybe some people wouldn't think of. Right, right, exactly. I was hoping there was, there was one, there's not a lot of room for that as Raoul, but like there was, there's one moment I thought I had, but I was like, maybe I could get a cute little laugh, but um, eh, but yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> um, can you tell me? Well, yeah, it's like, um, it's such a small little moment, but um, when, when Raoul goes to, it goes backstage to see Christine after her, her triumphant performance, uh, debut, uh -huh. whatever, uh, she, I, I go into the dressing room and on my way in, I have this kind of moment of like, uh, oh, I should bring something and then just look and see that Fear Man has a bottle of champagne. And uh -huh. so I just kind of grab it and like, oh, thank you. And so like, for me, I, I, I thought like that could be like a cute little thing, but I, I don't know, it gets lost. There's so much happening. There's, there's ballet dancers doing like the Degas, as mm -hmm. we call it. Um, anyway, but uh, uh, yeah, anyway. But, um, yeah, I, you're, some, you're, you're messing with Hal Prince's tableau there, Matt. Exactly, exactly. It's not about being cute with a champagne bottle. Although um, I do like that. I like the idea yeah. of he didn't think to bring anything to woo her and he just like yeah. improvises something. Yeah, and he just like snatches it out of his hand and like, oh, I'm going to have this now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's in character. He's very, very rich. And as we've learned, rich people think everything's for them. So. Exactly. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. So... Speaking of Andrew Lloyd Webber, questionable female roles, yeah, and stopping to think a little too hard about things, you have an obsession today. Yes, and I must preface this as like someone, I don't have a lot of obsessions in my adult life, but um, I have to credit another Andrew Lloyd Webber piece, Sunset Boulevard. And Sunset Boulevard, I think, like definitely helped me become an actor <laughs> Wait, um, and I know I, it helped you become an actor yeah like basically um the way I was introduced to it we saw it when it was on Broadway because um, we, I was living in New Jersey at the, at the time and mm -hmm. um we drove in to see it and um and I was kind of taken by it like I remember like enjoying previous Broadway shows but I think there's something just like the I mean I love old Hollywood I, it was, and then, um, so I love anything to do with that. Um, and I love like, just like knowing about behind the scenes kind of stuff. So I think it's really good behind the scenes kind of musical about the industry. Um, and then, um, then you throw in like amazing sets and, um, and it's dark and, 
Uh, anyway, so I was taking, and then the sweeping orchestrations, I think is what like kind of got me into it. So I love like a great like cinematic, like um, soundtrack for like a, like, um, I don't know, John Williams-y kind of thing. So I don't know. So I, I don't, your faces are, are cracking me up. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> Thank you for I, describing my faces for a podcast. Which yeah, is know, exactly. notoriously a visual medium. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting some grimaces over here. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so basically it was like, it was a, I would think the first show I saw on Broadway that kind of like spoke to me or like, I don't know, interested me enough to, um, think about it later and then we had a, like three cds like were musical theater and um one was an andrew lloyd weber compilation cd which is kind of like my first exposure to all all that and i will say like i guess the theme is andrew lloyd weber because the first musical i ever saw when we were living in england was um what in just a period was um starlight express mm-hmm. and so uh yeah i was three and um, I was just transfixed. Apparently I announced to my, to my mom that I needed to go to the bathroom. But then when she tried to take me out of the seat to go, I was like, no, no. And like, just like held on to myself <laughs> until the end. And um, so I think like, yeah, anyway, so that was my first exposure to theater. And then, um, and then yeah, have, growing up on the, the, um, the compilation CD of, of all these Andrew Lloyd Webber hits, um, to uh, get seeing Sunset Boulevard and having the CD, I think we got it like the next holiday or like birthday or Christmas or something. And so I would listen to it from like start to finish and I would uh, act out all the roles and I would be, I would be all of them. I would be Joe, I would be, but I'd, ra- I'd rather be Norma Desmond and, um, and uh-huh. I was Betty, I was Max and, um, and I loved all the, the chorus numbers too. Um, but yeah, I literally would like play it from start to finish and, um, and act in front of the mirror. It's so embarrassing, but like, but I think that's kind of like when I first started trying to, trying to be an actor, but it took years, a few more years later to, um, to really get it going. But I think that's where I had my secret little, like, you know, you're singing to a, a brush, like in mm-hmm. the mirror. Like that was, that was my, my moment. <laughs> okay. So... I have questions, but before we get into my questions questions, let's start with Matt. For yeah. anyone who doesn't know, what is Sunset Boulevard? Okay. So Sunset Boulevard is a musical based on the movie. And I feel like having seen the movie after the musical, I feel like it's a pretty pretty good um, adaptation. They lift a lot of the narration that is it William Holden says um, in the film. And so that's either spoken or sung in the musical. Um, and, um, but yeah, but it's a story about a silent film star who um, is about 20 years like into obscurity and um, she's living, like still living, it's kind of like a little Miss Havisham, like she's living this like huge house. It's probably seen a lot better days, but she's still in her own little world. Like she's still this big star and, uh, but she hasn't made a picture since the, since silent films became talkies. And um, this guy randomly like breaks, his car breaks down outside her house and he goes in for help and then ends up staying there and working on, uh, this is probably too much information, but like they, they work on a script together and then she thinks this is gonna be her comeback and then things don't go quite as planned. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we can, we can include some spoilers. Yeah. The guy is also a screenwriter. That's why yeah. he works on it with her. He's a right. screenwriter 
uh, he's kind of like a hack himself and she keeps him in the end as sort of like her little boy toy. Uh, right. well, I, I like, like Joe's interesting because I, and then, then his relationship with Betty because Joe, I think was maybe an idealistic writer at one point when he first mm-hmm. was starting out and then saw how the business worked and saw what films get made, what, and what films don't get made and basically like kowtowed to the industry and was like, okay. And there's that, that kind of like horrendous moment in the show where they're talking about what you can and can't write in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like where they're- which, which has the lyric, no one has a black friend. Yeah, yeah you, you can't take a black friend to a restaurant. Yeah, um, yeah but, um, no, no one dies except the best, best friend. I was saying no, no one dies except- no I, I took no two ever- lyrics and I combined them. It's uh, no one dies except the best friend. No one, uh, no one ever mentions communists. Mm-hmm. No, no one takes a black friend, friend to, a to a restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, uh, yeah, very good. Nothing. Make, <laughs> I know my shit. Uh, <laughs> Betty, because we mentioned her, but it's important to say who Betty is because in truth, Betty is a wet blanket of a human being. But yeah. in the movie, in the show, she is a young reader, which is someone who reads screenplays to Mm. sort of then give them to heads of studios back in the day when Hollywood had a studio system and it was, you know, like the actors were tied to a certain studio and deals were made with like, you know, this actor with this picture and that director with this actor. Uh, She, you know, her job is to sort of tell producers which screenplays are good. And she is still young and idealistic. So like she's reading scripts being like, they should have a message. They should say something. And right. I was like, ah, kid, yeah. I don't know. But then they start working on a screenplay and they fall in love. Uh, but it doesn't end well for them either because nothing ends well for anyone in Sunset Boulevard. No. Uh, were you, f- so you were familiar with the musical before the movie, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I haven't seen the movie more than a couple times, but I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, yeah. So cool. I mean, like, I mean, I think it's got the same structure. Like it starts, I mean, I guess spoilers, whatever. It's these movies, the movie and the musical have been out forever. So like it starts with a dead body floating in a pool. Mm-hmm. And then in the, and so Joe, then, Joe, the screenwriter Joe. kept boy is the dead body in the pool. Yeah. And then, and then he starts narrating it, narrating the, sh- the, the piece or whatever. And yes. Yeah, like the two are pretty much intertwined. I will say there is, there is no deviation from the plot of the movie and the musical. Right. So there's no way to there's no way to be like oh yes in the movie but maybe not the show like if it happened in the movie it happened in the show exactly like a lot of stuff is literally lifted like because i'm just like i guess it was 5 a.m it's like (laughs) i guess it was 5 a.m yes exactly Uh, it's a lot of that um so okay so you saw the musical then you eventually came to know the movie like years later yeah so who was your norma when you saw it on broadway i saw betty buckley the first time Okay. Did you see it when it was first on Broadway? Or were you oh, a child? I, I was a child. I, my first musical on Broadway was Beauty and the Beast and then Les Mis when okay. I was five. My par- that was really the only like serious musical I was really allowed to see until I was about nine. Okay. And then I got to see Chicago and then I got to see Cabaret. Oh. Okay. And then my parents were like, oh, if he asks to see it, he can see it. Because until then, it was basically like, we choose what he sees. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, no, yeah. I did not see it. I was aware of it. I mostly knew it from photographs. And I had heard Barbara Streisand's With One Look and As If We Never Said yeah, Goodbye, yeah. which are Norma's two big songs in the show. And then my dad showed me the movie. 
which I loved. I've only seen the movie like maybe six or seven times my mm-hmm. whole life, but I really love the movie. It's such a brilliant movie. Yeah. Then I finally saw the show when Glenn Close came back to Broadway to do it in 2017. Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah around that time. And I had never seen it on stage. I really only knew those two songs. And then I'm, a, I'm friends with quite a few straight boys in musical theater. So I'd heard the title song a lot. Oh, they love that. They love that song. I mean, you, I definitely did that in college one day and I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> and like, I think it's funny. I think that song is like kind of how I taught myself how to belt. Like, Boulevard. <laughs> Boulevard. It's, uh, yeah, it, mm, 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 mm. Yeah. I, so yes, I saw the musical later in life. I mean, once I had approached my jaded elements of, of seeing theater, I will say I, so, okay. I have my thoughts. I'll get to my thoughts because it's your sure. obsession. So I want you to talk about it. Hopefully. I will say, I know so many bitter old theater queens mm. who like, when I say bitter old, I mean like we will go see a show and intermission will be like, oh, she's phenomenal. And they'll go, she has some odd vowel placements. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, she did a diphthong on this one note and I wasn't a fan. Oh, Lord. Yet, they're like, oh, Sunset Boulevard, that's a brilliant musical. And I sat there in 2017 being like, am I going a little crazy? I don't think this is actually very good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it holds up to, because it was like my entree into the theater world, kind of. Um, right. So like, yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect. I mean, there's definitely some issues with it. Um, I will say the... I mean, it'd be interesting to, to see the original now, because like having seen the revival, I enjoyed it, but I missed it because it's such a grand piece and like you need that big staircase and the, the house and the, so like doing a kind of pared down version, I feel like it worked, but like I, I, I missed the, <laughs> just how grand the original was. I mean, it's all on theme here because part of the storyline with Norma Desmond, the silent movie star, is, you know, how she misses the old days when you just just used faces and it was much better then. can recognize sort of the in later years you recognize that it's not perfect but you something still draws you to it and i want to ask you what is it yeah i think it's the characters i mean the so i mean i i I guess i don't know if i credit then the musical for that because i mean the characters are came before the musical but um but you would would you think that the musical does a good job of bringing the characters to life yes yeah 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 i think so um i mean obviously like like Betty, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you get a dynamic actress in that role and, and make it interesting. On paper, she's a little bland. Joe, um, yeah, I, I think Joe can be a bit problematic. I, I can't say, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, I don't remember Alan Campbell too well when I saw it as a kid. I, I mean, I remember, I mean, you, you, you walk away thinking about the Norma, but um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't love 
the Michael in the revival. I also, it's just that confusing thing too when, and I get that they transferred the production basically, but like, but I, I'm always kind of, and this is funny coming from a Brit, like a guy who plays a lot of Brits um, as a, someone who identifies as American now, I guess. Um, but um, I, I don't understand when you do, when you do an iconic um, piece of theater or, or movie or whatever, and then you put Brits in iconic American like characters or, or American iconic, um, like actual people that lived on this earth they're like i i understand that like that it, yeah, it's just kind of weird like why especially when it comes to musical theater like i mean mm -hmm. this is when i'm gonna be a little bitchy but um but like when these imports don't bring seem a little oh god oh, I, oh, I don't have people listen to this but that like, you've but like, you've listened to this podcast hard. you know, know. It gets bitchy just go for it i will exactly. i'm sure i'll say something even cuntier in five minutes so you've got <laughs> nothing to worry about yeah, I guess my thing is like, I mean, with my issue with the, the um, with like the Chris and Miss Saigon that came in, like, and then like, and then the guy playing Joe Gillis, and and the the Betty was fine, um, and then the Max was fine. Um, it's hard to be like, anything other than fine as Betty. I have nice. seen some clips of Judy Kuhn. And and Judy Kuhn is phenomenal. Everyone knows I, I'm obsessed with her. She does her best, and she definitely tr gives the character more inner turmoil than is probably on the page. Absolutely. Uh, but, like, I, yeah, like, Alice Ripley doing it on Broadway, not getting a Tony nomination for it, is all you need to know exactly. of how that role is written. Exactly. I know. I kind of wish I had more memory of her, because I was young, so I don't remember too much about the production except loving it. But, but yeah, I would love to go back and... Uh... And, and see what Alice did in that. And if she was, if she was like 100% what we know her today or was she a little kooky? Was she? Um... <laughs> She's, it, so like there's, there's the 90s Alice Ripley and yeah. then there's 21st century Alice Ripley. Right. Um, 90s Alice Ripley does, I mean, and to be fair to her, it's, a lot of it's also the roles that she played like Fontaine, yeah. uh, Violet in Sideshow and Betty, roles that don't have a lot of, humor to them yes. so it, it's a very she has a very serious demeanor about her and right. i'm and i'm also only going off of a bootleg i saw of the betty buckley cast which uh alice was in she definitely played betty with like really no sense of humor and granted betty doesn't have much of a sense of humor but like you know like judy kuhn is was her i would say judy kuhn's trademark as an actress is very kind of like lived in energy very natural I don't like. I don't know if I could ever see Judy Kuhn play Norma, at least not in the musical version, because the musical is almost like Kabuki Norma. You yeah. look at the you look at the movie version with uh yeah with um Gloria Swanson, and like yeah she's crazy, but she's not like she doesn't do like the weird sort of golem sounds that Glenn Close did in the last production. Joe, you never leave me, Joe. Oh, right. yeah. Like that kind of shit. Yes. Um, which also, side note, is how I felt about Imelda Staunton's Madame Rose. I understand it was oh. brilliant live, but when I saw the film version, I was like, oh, Gollum as Mama Rose. Got it. Yeah, I started that and I didn't get through it. No, some things don't transfer. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, like Judy is, as Betty, you... I, at the very least, you understood that this was like a human being. If maybe not the most interesting person you've ever met, she was a right. human being. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so, <laughs> uh, sorry, I told you I'm gonna leave you out to, to dry with this one, because sure. I, so I told you before we recorded that 
I had texted someone literally like, so when you told me what your obsession was going to be before we recorded, I had literally texted someone the day before about this. Cause I was like, do you think sunset is a good musical? Because so many judgmental people I know in theater think it is and think it's actually Andrew Lloyd Webber's best musical. Mm. And it, it interests me because in some ways, yes, like I would argue Avita is actually his greatest work, but Avita is not actually a good musical because you need uh-huh. a really good director to even make it make sense. Uh-huh. Sunset Boulevard makes sense. Like it's a plot from start to finish. It goes all the way through. It's some of his better music. So I get that. I have other issues with it um, as a musical. Part of it is that it is so true to the movie to the point where you're like, well, that's not even re- like, like I actually would argue with one look isn't necessary. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And then I want you to fight me on this because oh, it's sure, your sure. obsession. Okay. P- please fight me. I, to- I told you I was any, bitchy thing you say i was gonna outbitch you yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. i believe so <laughs> don't you worry no one's gonna come for you once i start talking huh? you're gonna get so many texts and dms after this episode being like who is this asshole you know and why does he even like theater oh. does he ever want to work in the business he's just he's just so candid um so okay so when joe the hack screenwriter meets norma he like yeah, yeah. His, he's running from a bunch of mobsters who he owes money to. His car breaks down. Oh, no, he, his car doesn't even break down, I don't think. he Or it does. I can't remember. And he pulls into what he thinks is an abandoned mansion. It ends up being former silent movie actress Norma Desmond's mansion. She thinks he's uh, the man who's holding the casket for her dead pet chimpanzee, yeah. which is a whole thing. Yes. And then he says to her, like, oh, you used to be big. I remember you. And she goes, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. And then sings this whole song called With One Look. And the whole justification of it is, I used to be able to hold an audience's attention with just one look, and I will do so again. Right. That is a four-minute song. Yeah. There's no beginning. There's no middle. There's no end. There's nothing you learn throughout it that you didn't already know. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely valid. I guess, like, I, I think I'm trying to like pinpoint why all these these um, men that you have talked about, like why they're obsessed. I, I think it's just like they're obsessed with Norma. And I, I feel like, I don't know what it is, but like maybe we all kind of somehow connect to her plight, to her, like is she, like she's like, I don't know, there's something that, yeah, connects us. So, so basically any time we can have her doing something amazing, it's like, yes, this, this music, this, this number is completely unnecessary, but, um, but we need her to sing and we need her to modify me at the end and be like, May, <laughs> um, which every Norma has done, I think. I don't think there's anyone who's actually sung me at the Patty end. did in the higher key. Oh, of course she did. I will say, okay, so I will say, in all fairness to the show, so... Matt, you know that there's drama with Sunset Boulevard. Well, sure. Oh my gosh. And it's and it's not just the first round. It's the drama has followed Sunset since it started. Yes, and like I did a little more because I honestly like, I'm not like the best at this whole obsession thing, but like I was like I should be a little more obsessed. So I went in and like researched a little more, and I didn't realize like there were even more people like while Patty was um was doing the the West End production. Not only was like Glenn doing she was doing the LA one, but then they were also talking to Meryl Streep. And Faye Dunaway was like literally in rehearsal 
and uh -huh. then then they they apparently announced that Andrew Lake said that she couldn't sing it, and so then she was pissed because like that was like messing up her reputation. And anyway, there's so many people that got in the got in the way of, of Patty coming to Broadway, and I don't know what was um was uh, parlayed to her through her people or directly, but like there's no guarantee. I mean, all, as we know in this industry, there's no guarantee that you will like if someone says something to you it's not going to necessarily happen unless yeah. it's happening or if there's like some firm contract where there's like the buyout is too much or i don't even know but which yeah. it's but ironic that all this followed sunset boulevard because i'd argue that's sort of one of the things that sunset boulevard maybe is about um so, so ah sorry so if we could it's all i'm all over the place i don't care yeah. so the movie Sunset Boulevard, which came out in 1950, uh, written and directed by Billy Wilder, was really like kind of earth shattering at the time because by 1950, there was very much still this gloss about Hollywood that presented the public of like, movie stars are all best friends and everything is glamorous and everything is perfect. And, you know, they would do photo shoots of actresses on their birthday with this giant cake that of course they never ate because Joan Crawford never ate. And things like that. And so Sunset Boulevard, the movie was sort of this big expose about how actually toxic the industry is about how once women got to a certain age, they were disposable. And Norma is sort of the, uh, operatic version of how bad that can go. If someone who goes so deluded right. when they get so high off of this drug that is fame and fortune and adoration, and then it just gets taken from them. Yeah. And also is about sort of, you know, the two-facedness of the industry. There's the opening number in the show, which is called Let's Have Lunch. Right. Which is all about, you know, people just saying, people, because lunch is sort of the ultimate non-committal meeting in LA. Exactly. It's not dinner. It's not even breakfast. It's lunch. It's in the middle of the day. Uh, you can leave whenever. It's the equivalent of like now when you go on a date, it's like, let's get drinks. You know, it's. Right. Exactly. It's so easy to put off or delay or. Like, exactly. Or, yeah. Um, and so with Sunset Boulevard, the musical, drama has always surrounded it because there, you have Andrew Lloyd Webber who like doesn't commit to anything. Patti Lapone opens it in London. She's supposed to do it on Broadway. She has a fucking contract. Glenn Close does it in LA. Mm -hmm. Patti got fine reviews. Glenn got amazing reviews. And Andrew Lloyd Webber just brings Glenn over, not even thinking about it. Patti sues him for a million dollars and gets it. Then Faye Dunaway is going to replace Glenn Close in LA. That gets shut down. Faye Dunaway sues. Then Glenn Close goes on a two-week vacation on Broadway. Karen Mason's her standby. And Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, the grosses never went down. Everyone's coming to see the show, not Glenn. And then Glenn writes this giant letter in the New York Times or Variety where she's like, fuck you, they are coming to see me. Ooh. Yep, and then they go on tour with Linda Balgord and they have to shut that down. It's just like drama, drama, drama. Drama. have listened to audio of Patti Lapone's final performance in Sunset Boulevard, mm -hmm. where she is a little erratic and a little on edge because a lot of conflicting emotions. Sure. And I think that, yeah, that dressing room was completely trashed at that point. And, uh, oh, she, you know, she yeah. left a deuce in her dressing room that evening. Oh, totally. Patti Lapone's high notes are lighter than air because she dropped two pounds in her dressing room right before she went on stage. <laughs> 
Slander, who's to say? Smeared the walls. <laughs> Listen, it's not barbaric when you're a diva. Right. <laughs> but I will say for someone who doesn't really love the show, I've listened to Patty's with one look and as if we never said goodbye. And there's a thrill to it with the like emotion in those high notes uh-huh. that I highly recommend. And I mean, it is a, it is a bootleg audio, so it's not like sure. crystal, crystal clear, but it's still yeah. good quality. And it's, she's very erratic. She's very on edge. And there is an energy about it that I do gravitate towards. That said, yeah, I maintain with one look isn't really a necessary song. Same thing was as if we never said goodbye. Cause what is, so if you could summarize as if we never said goodbye in one sentence, what do you think that song's about? Um, yeah, yeah, she remembers what it was like and then she's, and th- that she's returned and, and she's home. To the movie studio, yeah. And, yeah. but that's, but it's a four minute song, Matt. I know, I know. But it does kind of like having seen it, like um, seen, having seen Glenn do it in the revival, because that's clearly more memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as it was recent, but um, that it does kind of almost stop the show. Like, I think I was like, I was on the edge of my nosebleed seat, just kind of, I was living and, um, and, and she hooted some of those notes. She was like, she, she did not go for them. Like, she's like, she's like, I've come home at last. I was like, oh, but you belted higher notes earlier. I was just thinking of, come on, come on, don't run out of gas. But it might have been a matinee. I mean, the night I saw her, granted it was still like late in previews, but she didn't even belt home or she didn't even hoot it. She kind of like shouted it. She was like, I've come home at last. I was like, that's all, that works too. Better tricks. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. Like it does stop the show is the thing. It's like, it is, and it's, I think, because it is, it is really powerful music in a way. Because I think, when they were adapting it as a musical, I think they essentially wanted to make it a sung through opera, but yeah. kind of lost the nerve halfway through writing it and they kept yeah. dialogue. Yeah, because I, I listened to the entire thing yesterday and um, it's been, I don't, it's been a long time since I saw all the in-between stuff that like, the, all like the recitative and I, I was like, it's definitely a little ridiculous. And uh, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a reflection of the times because I feel like a lot of the shows were doing those kind of ridiculous things like the Miss Saigons and Les Mises and like, um, but yeah, I feel like I would prefer maybe some more spoken stuff with underscoring. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sort of like, you have to go one or uh, one of two ways. Either go full blown yeah, or yeah. scale it back. Cause I will, so you mentioned Miss Saigon. I will say, speaking of that last revival, including the Chris, I will yeah. die on this hill. I never, ever want to see a, a highly realistic, naturalistic Miss Saigon or Les Miserables. Mm. Those things are sung the entire way through. Yeah. And when you have background actors ad-libbing during scenes and like trudging along, because that's what people really did in that time. I'm just sitting there going, well, now it's fucking ridiculous that he's singing that the money's on the dresser. Oh, right. Yes. I don't need that. Yeah, I think you're right, because it, it kind of makes you, um, it takes you out of it and makes you kind of find all the, the plot holes and the, because I was, I remember seeing that revival and being like, I actually never seen the stage production, just heard it all like for years. Mm. And then um, I was like, why are they like, if this is supposed to be like some epic love story, like they're, they're in bed so quickly and then they're in love immediately. And I just don't quite understand. There's no, 
I don't see how they got to that point. I mean, I know we all have, we've had some great hookups, but like, but um, but like, <laughs> but you don't, you don't go to that place like literally like the same night. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe. People, I don't know. I've never had that with the hookup, but it's anything's possible. I mean, we started this Zoom mat. I saw your handsome little face and I was like, ah, I get it now. <laughs> Hurry up, the birthday boy is on his way. This is a surprise celebration. I hope you've remembered everything I said. I want to see a total transformation. What's all this? I have an issue with the musical of Sunset Boulevard in terms of the original production slash the last production. This yep. isn't in the writing. This is how it was designed and staged. Sure. I find the original production a little misogynistic because Norma is 50. Yes, yeah. it's in the text. I'm not making yeah. that up. She's 50. Yeah. She's older. Happens. And they even say there's nothing wrong with being 50 unless you're trying to act like you're 20. But in the original production, she pulls off a wig to reveal that she's ultimately balding with like shock white hair. Yeah. And wearing more makeup than Bianca Del Rio. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, Gloria Swanson did not look like that. Right. I mean, I want to say it might have been, I mean, I'm no expert on this at all, but like, but back in the 50s, I think a lot of women of a certain age wore wigs. Like they just didn't. So I'm wondering if just like years and years of of just wig wearing kind of like sort of just made her hair thin and I, I, I don't know. Maybe the, yeah. I, you're giving you're giving a lot more credit than I am. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, don't think about it. But, um, you're, no, you're backpedaling because you're like, oh no, someone's gonna listen to this and never hire me again. I'm like, no, I'm going full in. I'm digging that knife in deeper because, okay. on one hand, they're like, look at what the system did to Norma Desmond, but also like the way that it's designed and staged in the original. It's like, look what happens to women at fifty. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's. <sighs> Maybe like Norma is supposed to be the exception to being 50, but because there's literally no other women of that age on stage and you have Betty who's, you know, granite, she has the stage presence of a wet carrot, but she is 20 and young and hot. Right. I, don't, I just look at Norma. I'm like, so once a woman hits 50, they turn into a gargoyle. Is that what you're trying to tell us? It, it, right. I don't know. As you say, don't think about it too much, but you're, that's a show where you're like, you are kind of supposed to think about it. I don't know. Yeah. I defend it more. It's your obsession. Defend it to me. Right, right. I, yeah, because like, what do, where do we, what happens at the end? I mean, she probably, she probably goes to prison. Um, I guess. She kills Joe. But, oh my God, but I will say. I mean, <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know Sunset, you just like went over a huge plot point. You know, she murders right. someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, that moment I will say is, is pretty yeah I, yeah it's like what I guess it's torturing she's been tortured is it maybe it's the Judy Garlandism like the um, industry's been unkind for so long and and um, and so you sympathize kind of like maybe like the Phantom like like she's she does something really bad but you you feel for her and because um, you you think she's she spends the whole time so hopeful about like this this Salome is going to be her return to the screen and um, and then it doesn't happen for her and, and not only 
like, do they not want to like do this this um new like Cecil B. DeMille is like, no, we're not going to do this horrible script. But oh, we love your car, and so if you could bring that car to the set, we'll, we're going to put that in this film that I'm doing. Like, it's like a major diss, and um, mm. so I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then like, and then this, I mean, this this I guess me talking up what I like about it, like the um, I love the relationship between Max and Norma. And I think that's told well in the show. Like he's just so kind who's of like, Max? Tell for everyone who doesn't know who's Max. Max. Max is basically the butler that lives with Norma Desmond. And um, and as we you go throughout the show, you realize their history is a lot more involved. And um, spoiler alert, you find out that he was he directed most of her early pictures. And they and um, I'm pretty sure I'm not sure what husband he was to her. I think husband number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was her first husband. And, um, and then what I think is just so beautiful is that I don't know what transpired in between, but I guess after the last husband, I don't know how she, he ended up back in that house, but like he loves her so much that like he is willing to like be her servant and then, and then give her this idea that people still care about her and send her fan mail. He writes all her fan mail for her. And then at the end when, and like, he's like, oh, this is, this is it for Norma. She, she's just killed someone. He, he makes it into this beautiful moment of like, no, the, all these cameras are here. The, all the paparazzi comes in be like, oh, there's this dead body, blah, blah, blah Hollywood, um, like faded star has killed someone. And so all the paparazzi, paparazzi's there with their cameras and, and he convinces her in her psychosis or whatever that like, that this is the, the camera crew who are here to film your Salome scene. And she comes down the stairs with all these weird little like musical motifs from the show and, and like, um, like I'm mad about the boy. And then, um, and then, but then she gets into, which, and there's some parallels between her relationship with Joe and how he disappointed her and, and, um, and how, how he, um, I guess it's John the Baptist. Like, so um, in a Salome, like why, she had to kill him, and uh, and so yes, oh, but I know. So I think it's just a beautiful little moment, and so I, I just love his devotion to her, and and then you get someone like George Hearn with his powerhouse voice singing, mm-hmm. singing the greatest star of all, which is is an appropriate is a song that is necessary because it it actually provides some backstory, and um, and you that learn. is fair. That is and because I mean honestly maybe maybe that is that's definitely more necessary than with one look because like you find out. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. She was great with her faces and all, whatever. But like, she, like, he talks, he talks about like what the, what her effect was on people, and like there was a maharaja who hanged himself with one of her discarded stockings. Like, like she had this effect on people, and she was this star. Like who, yeah. Um, and yeah. So there's there's some little little um, moments that that I feel like you can't take away from me. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. In fact, all I'm doing, all I'm doing, Matt, is I am demanding that you fight for your obsession. Okay, okay. okay. And you're do- you're doing better, but better, you're, better. You're, yes, you started off as a Max, and now you're becoming a Norma, which okay. I appreciate. <laughs> um, I okay. So, for anyone who's new to Sunset Boulevard, and you want to sort of go into the musical less jaded i would actually argue don't watch the movie listen to the musical first mm. because you'll because the musical is so very faithful to the movie as we already said like to the point of like lifting dialogue verbatim and yeah. using it as recitative um yeah. that you'll be like oh, you'll be like me and i'll be like oh that thing i had two moments in college when i was like okay i found my people um one was like first week of school i i guess i was talking to 
my new friend about Sunset Boulevard or something, and we sat in the hallway and sang the entire score from start to finish acapella, <laughs> just in the hallway, hanging out in the dorm. And then, then I, um, then I became friends with my good friend Ron. Um, he, uh, I brought him into like the suite in college, like for junior year, and um, and so we, I was helping him move in, and um, and so I was like looking at the CDs, and I was like you have like eight different recordings of Sunset Boulevard. This is amazing. It's like, oh, you have to hear this. This is the German recording. And this is like the Danish one. And this is, this is Diane Carroll in Toronto. Blah, blah, blah. And like, um, so we definitely bonded over Sunset and listening to different Normas and what they did. Crazy. This is, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> like we as theater people, we definitely have like our standards and everyone can be judgy about whatever. Yeah. This, I... And again, I feel like I'm the insane one. I feel like it's. Just, I feel like I'm the one who's in the wrong because everybody feels this way. Everybody I've spoken to is like, "Oh yes, yeah, Sunset. Like that's the good one. Like that's because yeah, yeah. everyone has like their Norma. Everyone has their song. Um, like I, my friend Allie, who you know, she's a Sondheim devotee. Oh, sure. The day she dies, she's like, "Oh." You haven't heard Sunset till you've heard Linda Balgord sing it, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, e- and I'm like, even you, Ed Tubrute. <laughs> Sunset Boulevard headline Boulevard getting here is only the beginning. Sunset Boulevard jackpot Boulevard. Once you've won, you have to go on winning. Who is someone you would love to see play Norma Desmond? <gasps> Oh my gosh. It's funny because the, 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 like what I'm, the divas I'm drawn to are the ones who can be, can be fierce on one hand, like vocally, dramatically, but then also show their vulnerability. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Emily Skinner's coming to mind. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious. I like that. Um, I just find like, I find her, it's funny because I was toying between this and Sideshow, but this has, this um, Sunset has a much more of a personal connection and like, and a place in my development. But, um, uh, but, um, Let's leave your puberty out of this, Matt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I came of age to Sunset. But, um, yeah, I think, I think what I love about Emily, I, um, and, well, and, and Alice, especially on that show, I just love like fearless performers and who are just like lay it all on the line. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and I feel like, yeah, I think Emily does have that vulnerable side. Um, I didn't say anything because, yeah, you. So when we were emailing about this, and you, yeah. said, I think it's going to be Sunset. My other option is Sideshow. I thought yeah. to myself, I was like, okay, I do love Sideshow, yeah. and I could actually geek out about Sideshow with Matt. I was like, right, right. I kind of want to debate him on Sunset. So yeah, absolutely, no. It's funny because I feel like I don't really know the show. I've never seen it. Like, and I, I was so in love with the, the cast album. The original that I just, I just didn't want to bring. It sounds horrible. I didn't want to like bring myself to see. I felt like I was going to be disappointed. I don't know why. With sideshow. With the, with the with the um the revival. I just like I, I I my gut was like, just let it live in in your um in your happy place and like. Yeah, well, also, it's amazing. I maybe it was I, but um. I mean, I it got a great review in the Times. I didn't yeah. particularly like it. I will say the revival. They made a lot of changes. A lot of changes. Okay. Starting with the big one, they cut Tunnel of Love. Oh no. Yeah. Well, Tunnel of Love is definitely a is a divisive song for people. Some people are like, it's complete camp and I'm in the I'm in the camp that's like it's fucking brilliant. Um right. and musically it's already in, amazing. But I guess because it's like 
it's such a serious number and it's about such a very specific situation that could play ridiculous uh for anyone who doesn't know sideshow essentially the two twins daisy and violet go into a tunnel of love at a world's fair with their two guys violet with her fiance and daisy with their manager terry and while they're in the dark buddy won't touch violet and terry fingers daisy and violet can feel daisy's orgasm and it's one of those things where you're like on paper you go what but it i swear it works i think it works so well I think it's great it's funny i actually performed that number um years ago randomly i was terry i was like why am i buddy but um i, I was about to say why are you terry I know it's so random. I think there were there was a, a twinkier person who was uh, in the concert. <laughs> twinkier than you? Yes. So I'm, I'm about like, okay, I guess I'm the daddy in this situation. So um, I'll work on my baritone. What was that like? You're not used to being a daddy, I'm assuming. No. Yeah. So that was funny. <laughs> but um, it was. But I'm just so excited. Also for, also, for anyone who thinks that I'm throwing Matt under the bus, you should know he's wearing the brightest of blue baseball caps. Like you and your <laughs> bangs are forward. You look like you're ten. <laughs> So like Thanks. I know you're not a daddy. That's like that's okay. what this is about. Yeah, Again, visual... like that. I feel like like I'll just be a perennial twink. I mean, I feel like I mean like you. I mean, we're... <laughs> me. Yes, I feel like you're youthful and nimble and fresh. And... Yes. Okay, let's let's keep this from getting sexual, Matt. Because <laughs> if we're gonna get sexual, I have to stop the recording because I I'm gonna need a patron if this gets sexual. I need people to pay to hear that shit. <laughs> Back to unsexual things. Yes, yes. Sideshow and Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about this thing. Did I, uh, wrote myself just in case I forgot about things. Oh, um, you wrote, you wrote stuff down? I did, yeah. I, oh, I mean, if we're, like, talking about, like, Camp Factor, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. like, there's some ridiculous things in it, like, um, the, in the ladies paying, like, the scene where, where Joe's getting a makeover. Uh, the, um, mo- the most ridiculous makeover of all time. Yeah, oh, right. It's so ridiculous. Then they also, I remember, they also use that same melody in act two when Norma thinks she's going to make her return and gets all these beauty treatments oh, and yeah. has a line yeah. of ladies with her. Um, and ha- actually, I will, for, again, all the shit that I'm giving the show, it does have some of my favorite orchestrations in a musical oh, in general. Absolutely gorgeous. Sweeping. Um, oh, it's... And, and there's like this, I'm not entirely sure what the orchestration is in uh, Eternal Youth is Worth a Little Suffering, which has the same melody as Ladies yeah. Pang, but it's some kind of like, like a, like a harp and a, and a keyboard and I don't, it's something, it's weird. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I, no. <laughs> Go find it, find it on your phone because okay. it's Eternal Youth is Worth a Little Suffering. Yeah. It's like almost a Vita, le- original Avita level of like weird orchestration. Yeah. I will also say this for Andrew Lloyd Webber because he tends to orchestrate his own stuff. Mm. For everyone who's like, oh, he just repeats melodies. Yes, he does. But I think where his real talent lies is actually as an orchestrator because he can make the same melody sound different with, oh, uh. with a different orchestration. And I think Sunset's yeah. actually a good example of that because the ladies paying and eternally youth is worth a little suffering 
yes, it's the same melody, but they could not be more different songs in the same way. Right. And it's actually, that that is a skill in its own right. It is, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, let's look at look at that. I was I was shitting all over that show like it was Patty Lapone's dressing room on her final night in the show, and here I am giving it a compliment. Giving out the compliments, I love it. Thank um, you. <laughs> um, final thoughts on Sunset, Matt. What? So for you, um, yeah, I'm gonna give you the floor. Sure. If someone were to say, "Why should I give this show my time?" What would you? What would be your answer? I mean, I think it's just a fascinating story um, about, I mean, you get in the head of this faded star, this forgotten person, um, there's gorgeous melodies, and uh, it's, I think, I found it, like, it, it transported me, um, and it does when I listen to it, to, um, to 1950s Hollywood, and um, yeah, it just, it just, like has a, a visceral effect on me and yeah give it a listen if you're not familiar i'm not saying it's the perfect musical but um but yeah it's got its it's um it's got a lot of prose going for it it's um yeah I if someone were inter- if someone were interested in putting it on what would what would be your advice to them to make the most successful production out of it wow um I know I ask really hard questions on this show. I'm basically like a young, hotter James Lipton. <laughs> I love it. Oh. All right, <laughs> right? Didn't we lose him this year? I feel like we did. Was it this year? I thought it was a few years ago. Oh, yeah. If it were this year, I well, I'll find out. Because if it was this year, I'll cut the joke. If it was... Oh, please. Than this no, year. No, no, no. It's not like... No, no, no. You're fine. Um, <laughs> geez, but this is a really hard question. Um... Yeah, uh, it's funny because like I was saying um, not to kind of do a pared down production because I I wasn't as affected by the revival, but I don't know, how can you, like we aren't doing, especially like post-COVID, we probably won't be doing huge multi-million dollar productions. And if there's a way to pare down the chorus and mm-hmm. the set, we're going to do it and, and call it art. But um, really, it's just about not paying for things. <laughs> but True. um um, but yeah, I mean, that is a good question. I is is an answer. I don't know if I would remount it. I'd like it to live in my memory. <laughs> I don't know if this is. I think this is hard because um, I think for me it's a big epic piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if people are going to shell out the money for that. I mean, obviously, it would have to be well cast. I, I would want actors first and foremost, before we think about the voices. Like, I, I think some cool casting um, could help. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think I will be tackling that project. <laughs> well, so if, you, if someone were to say to you, we're putting on Sunset, and you can play literally any role you want, literally any. Ooh. We'll tailor it to you. Literally any role you want. I mean... I guess it's depending on how kabuki I'm feeling in the moment. I mean, uh, can I be like a matinee um, Norma Desmond and and then uh, a six-week max, maybe? Sure. There we go. Going from from Buddy to Terry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. There you go. I would want to try to tackle Betty, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. 
since high school, I have had this like, I've always been drawn to roles that I think maybe that either I think are much more interesting than people give them credit for. And this have been cast, maybe not always the most interestingly, for example, I've always wanted to try to play Pippin. I feel like Pippin is actually a really interesting role, but it's always cast with like gap models. And I'm like, give it to someone who's a little more of an everyman surrounded by gap models. I think that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, Or roles like Betty that I think actually are, you know, cut up celery and try to make something of it. Watch the movie after you've become acquainted with the musical. Because the movie doesn't need my defending. It just is. And if you enjoy the musical, enjoy the musical. Uh, And then find what Norma suits you best. Right? Yeah. There are many Normas. There are many Normas. Many of whom are on, like, actual record. Like, you don't have to find a bootleg. Right. Exactly. They did a lot of recordings. Which was interesting, though, because um, there's there's no Broadway cast album. It's just the L.A the American premiere recording, which is from mm-hmm. LA. So then like, we don't have Alice Ripley on it. It's, it's Judy Kuhn, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. But I'm also like, not having remembered Alice. Maybe Alice wasn't even in the show the day I went as a kid, but like, um, but yeah, what was she like on it? I don't know, I'll have to watch the bootleg. You'll have to watch the bootleg. Um, and I don't know if there's any recording of Lauren Kennedy as Betty, cause I know she did, she did it on Broadway, understudying Alice, and then she did the tour. I'm like, like what was Lauren Kennedy's Betty like? What did that sound either. like? I know. Probably yeah. also completely belted. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd be really, I'd be very curious. Yeah, very curious. So I think that's a wonderful place to end things. Matt, where can people find you on the social medias? Oh, um, definitely on Instagram at Matt Lisey, M-A-T-T-L-E-I-S-Y. I, I have Twitter, don't use it. Um, and then Facebook. I don't know. I just, I'm not doing it so much, but I'm on all of those things. Um, do you have a ticks? You got a TikToks? I actually do stuff on Instagram. What's that? You have a TikToks? I don't. I know the kids are doing it, but I basically I am always like the last to the party for all of these mediums or platforms, whatever you call them. Mm. But yeah, um, but but then I always enjoy them once I'm doing them. But are are you on TikTok? Do you do those? No, I've been told I should. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I used to do, when I was like fully in quarantine and going crazy, I would do lip sync videos with my stuffed animals to like movie scenes and TV scenes that I enjoy. Amazing. And everyone's like, oh, that's, that's, that would do well on TikTok. I've got a couple of those. Those are so cute. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I don't know. People are like, oh, that's that's TikTok material. I'm like, but that I'm I'm putting it on Instagram. I I don't right. wanna I don't I don't wanna. I'm busy. Yeah. So Instagram. Instagram is what you're yeah. saying. Yes, yeah, find me on there. Actually do that one. Although it's very phantomy. So um It is. You get a lot of you get a lot of fan art. It's crazy. I can't like that is one thing that I was not prepared for. It's just the love of these fans and and I feel like it's normally that for people who do phantom, but I think just being on the other side of the world, I think it's just part of their culture um, to, I don't, I don't know, to bring gifts. Like I've like literally had to ship three boxes from Korea home full mm. of, like I, I literally have 
I don't even know what to do with all this stuff, like open a museum or whatever. I have so many things with my face on it, um, whether it's art or just like superimposed onto stuffed animals or that one of my favorite was um, I uh, got, well, I got this lovely little teddy bear that's dressed as Raoul. Um, and then, uh, then the next day I got um, a more realistic one, um, which was an Elsa doll from Frozen that was, um, got a haircut and a hair dye job and new clothes and um, was given to me in the Elsa box. And um, it's, it's so lovely. I will say um, it's a little creepy because the eyes are like beyond yeah. giant. And um, so I don't like to have it near me because <laughs> I feel like it's like stare, staring deep into my soul. But um, it's a- it's a Not nice... that far to go. No. no oh. <laughs> Bam! Uh, no, that's very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Like the the love we've gotten from these fans. So I so I feel like I need to keep them. Um, yeah, like yeah. Uh, I don't know. You yeah, no, uh, have pretty pictures of sunsets and um, landscapes, and uh, and now it's me, me, me. <laughs> it's become like a professional page. It's crazy. I love like, it. I love I love that. I want I want that for me. I want to constantly be posting like guys i didn't i didn't mean to do this but like i just i have to share this art that a fan did of me <laughs> and this art that a fan did of me i just i can't I'm sorry, I, just, I need to give them credit it's about them it's about them because right, right, right. it's the funny thing is i think a lot of times i mean with the age of social media there i think sometimes can be an expectation from someone who gives you something to be able to post it mm -hmm. and a lot of times they'll put their instagram handle at the bottom of a note or something but then I've learned with some of them, it's like that they want to be anonymous, so they don't like it when you... So for me, I'm like, I, oh, they did this lovely thing for me, so I'll, I'll post it so they get recognized, and, and then they can repost, and, mm -hmm. and then whatever, if that makes them feel good or whatever. But I, I learned with some people that, like, please don't post this or whatever. Um, I just got a giant box of presents from this lovely fan in Manila in the Philippines, and I'm, like, beyond, like overwhelmed it's so lovely I, I feel like i should i, I just don't want to inundate people with right how do i get your fans i love presents I, right it's on i i i, I just no no words um <laughs> or like the feeling but um how to get them be in phantom of the opera <laughs> Let's Listen, I've been in for christine multiple times they yeah. keep telling me i'm a carlotta i just have to age into it exactly we'll work on those uh coloratura notes oh they don't need work oh oh, oh they're ready <laughs> she is ready <laughs> you stay ready you ain't got to get ready right oh. no, i'm judy k in her prime bitch uh oh i would have loved to have seen that there's there, there's video of it i mean i've seen i've seen rehearsal clips but um I need to no there's that. you i mean it's it's 1988 so the quality of the video is not like prime yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's interesting to watch a full-blown new york city audience experience that show for the first time the things they applaud for they react to judy k gets yeah. a whole bunch of laughs right it's so amazing what like i mean well, first of all like just the amount of people that can sing like that and be an amazing actress it's yeah. um like uh, yeah that's incredible it is a it is a burden to yeah, right that said you can find me on instagram yes. at matt Coplick, usual spelling and guys, if you like this episode, if you liked past episodes and you haven't done it yet, give us a nice five-star rating or a little review. If you don't like the podcast, leave me a bad review, but still a five-star rating. <laughs> I would love nothing more than a five-star rating that said, this podcast has the most opinionated gay I've ever heard, and he's wrong about everything. As long as it's five stars, I'll take it.
Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Matt, we close out every episode with the diva, theater diva. Yes. Have you thought of someone for us today? There's a couple. Um, I mean, I guess like, let's see, have you done, I mean, if you're thinking, well, I mean, I feel like Glenn Close should be one, but let's, I don't, I don't want to listen to her. I want to, um, let's do, <laughs> I listened to her all day yesterday when I was, when I was getting ready for this. Um, but yeah, what about, <laughs> no offense, um, I, what about like Sideshow, like uh, Emily Skinner, have you done her? I don't think we have, let me check. If we do Emily Skinner, it's, first of all, if we do Emily Skinner, while I love Sideshow, it's totally going to be Life with Harold from Full Monty. Oh, that is wonderful. Because she's Emily Skinner. Um, nope, no Emily Skinner. So that's that's going to be our gal. Amazing. I feel like most episodes, they don't get their first choice. Well, lately, yeah, they don't get their first choice because it's been so many. And to be fair, a lot of episodes, people are like, have you done Patty? I'm like, we've had over 80 episodes and you think we haven't done Patty LaPone? Please. Please. <laughs> um, so, okay, great. So Emily Skinner it is. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a great rest of your day or week or a month or whatever. Uh, until next time, this has been Broadway Breakdown. Take us away, Emily. Bye. Bye. God, I love that man. But lately he's working too hard. I keep on telling him how we should take a few weeks in Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.